Welcome to Ask Peggy About Your Finances, because prosperity is so much more than money. Brought to you by writer, speaker, and certified financial planner, Peggy Doviak. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Hello and welcome to the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. My name is Peggy Doviak and I am a certified financial planner practitioner. This is a show for you to help you understand your money better. We look at the stock market and why it goes up and down. We look at legislation that could impact your financial bottom line. In the Plan Your Prosperity segment, we look at different financial planning topics in a little more detail to help you understand them better. And then finally, in the Ask Peggy segment, that's your opportunity to ask me a question. So if you want to ask me a question, go to askpeggy.com, askpeggy.com, and you'll find a box where you can submit a question. Then I'll be in contact with you and we'll get some more details and then find a way to answer your question on the air that can be educational for everyone. So let's get started with the Bulls and Bears Market and Economic Update. And this is for the week ending July 19th, 2019. Last week, the Dow Jones Industrial Average went down a little over half a percent. The S&P 500 went down a little less than 1% at 0.89. The NASDAQ went down 1.18%. Gold went up 0.62%. And oil was the biggest loser of the week, down 7.7%. So let's talk just a little bit about those numbers. The Dow Jones Industrial Average, or the Dow, is the index that you've probably heard of the most. And on the, um, well, it used to be evening news, but now basically at the top of every hour of cable news, they'll talk about how the Dow is doing. But remember that the Dow Jones Industrial Average is comprised of 30 companies. They used to all be industrial, which makes sense since it's an industrial average. Today, there's a little bit more diversity in it so that it's not even completely a proxy for the industrial segment. However, the S&P 500 is the 500 largest companies in the United States. So where the Dow is 30 companies comprised of 30 stocks, the S&P 500 is comprised of 500 stocks. So even though I always lead with the Dow, I really probably should lead with the S&P 500 because that's the most accurate representation of how big companies in the United States did last week. And so the S&P 500 was down 0.89%. But I think it's really important that when you hear the Dow with only 30 companies in it, any like bad news that happens in one of those companies is going to impact the Dow more than it's going to impact the S&P 500. If the S&P 500 is lower than the Dow, it's an indication that the overall market wasn't fabulous that week, you know. And so really, last week was very flat. There was very, very little information going on and very little market movement. 
the further into summer we get, the more boring this will tend to become. Although, <laughs> as is the case this year, there is an exception to practically everything I say. And the Fed meeting later this month to determine whether or not they are leaving interest rates flat or lowering it could have a lot of fireworks associated with it. The president again this morning is um, expressing to the public via Twitter that he is anticipating and demanding that the Fed lower rates at their next meeting. Now, there was some sense that they might be doing that. If you're a regular listener of the show, you know I don't think that's a good idea. I think that it's very important to save the ability to lower rates when there's actually something wrong with the economy, which is not where we are right now. But the 10-year Treasury yield is currently at 2.057%, so just a hair over 2%. It will be interesting to see what it does after the Fed movement, but it will be more interesting to see what the stock market does. The stock market's put a lot of money behind the concept that the Fed is actually going to lower rates. So I don't know what's going to happen to the market if the Fed doesn't do that. I'm also not sure what a presidential demand to lower interest rates is going to do to the situation. You know, if, if, if the administration really wants the rates lowered, a slightly less hands-on direct order might work better, but that isn't typically how things run. We'll just have to wait and see. Um, something that's usually boring, nobody cares about the Federal Reserve, has become high drama the last two years. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the legislative update of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. And we have a couple interesting stories this week. The first one is that you remember that the um, Department of Labor secretary was vacated by Alexandra Acosta over a lot of that scandal in Florida and um, his involvement in it. And so Alexandra Acosta had to resign as Department of Labor secretary. And so this last week, President Trump announced his new pick for Department of Labor secretary. And that person is the son of Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia, and his name is Eugene Scalia, and apparently is often called Gene, according to some of the articles that I read. So I know absolutely nothing about um, Gene Scalia, other than he has come out in the past saying that it was really not a Department of Labor issue as to whether or not um, financial advisors should have to act with a fiduciary standard. He says that Dodd-Frank says that this should be regulated by the SEC. So, you know, really that's not a great surprise that um, he, he would feel that way. I wasn't anticipating the new labor secretary to immediately take up the fiduciary mantle. 
I also think that we shouldn't try to figure out Eugene Scalia at a great level until we see whether or not his nomination can even get through. Because, you know, we're coming up onto an election year and it's a little partisan already in Washington, D.C., and there's a very good chance that he has trouble moving through the confirmation process. Not because it's anything for or against him, but simply because the politics reach a fevered pitch the closer you get to an election cycle, and it's harder for any president to get through nominees. So, you know, I don't know very much. It does look like he's going to whiff on the fiduciary rule, which of course doesn't make me happy. But we'll just have to wait and see what comes out on this. I just had talked about um, how Alexandra Acosta had had to step down and how that might impact the anticipated fiduciary rule from the Department of Labor this fall. And now it looks like with this new um, nominee, and especially now that someone has been nominated, it's, and if that person isn't particularly in favor of a fiduciary rule from the Department of Labor, then I think that makes it less likely that the acting secretary would do something. Of course, I could be wrong. I don't always do a great job anticipating how people in power think, but I do think that um, if Scalia is opposed to it, it's less likely to proceed. So, the other story that I found this week that I thought was really interesting for a couple of reasons um, is a bill that has now made it out of committee. It was House Resolution 3621, and it made it successfully out of committee in the House. It was proposed by Ayanna Presley who is a congresswoman of Massachusetts. And if you recognize that name but can't remember where you heard it, it's because she's been in the news a lot recently as one of the group of four um, congresswomen who have been being attacked by President Trump. Now, I point that out because, I, I mean, that's out of my lane. I'm not going to make any political commentary on that. But I do think that it's important to know that while things are just so explosive, and if you just see the top-of-the-line news, all you see is the scandal and the drama. You know, just drama, drama, drama every single day on the news right now. But if you'll scratch below the surface... In the middle of this attack, this congresswoman has proposed a very cool act called the Student Borrower Credit Improvement Act. And I'm going to put a link up for basically the tear sheet of how she describes it. This is off of her website. You're welcome to go in and confirm the data other places but this, this has been a very, very nice source of information. So it does several things. It establishes a credit rehabilitation process, and this is for people who, borrowers from um, student borrowers, so student loan debt, who've had economic hardship, and to try to help them repair their credit. 
and the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, remember it, is going to be charged with overseeing the credit rehabilitation process. So if people have student loan debt and it's screwed up, it's gone into fault, it's messed up their credit, this is going to try to help them repair that. This is going to prohibit credit reporting agencies like Experian and Equifax from reporting out delinquent or defaulted student loans after the borrower makes nine out of 10 monthly payments on time. So if you've really screwed up and you can get back on track and you make nine out of the last 10 payments on time, then the consumer, um, the credit reporting agencies aren't supposed to report that out in your file. It's supposed to provide a grace period for borrowers seeking rehabilitation but facing significant external financial stress, like military deployments. You know, we don't talk about this, and and now I'm just swerving off and away from student loan debt, but being deployed in the military or being a guard member, having to go do things and not being able to receive your salary, because the companies have to give you the time off, but they don't have to pay you. And so now you're down to the military pay. And for many people who are professionals, there's a huge pay disparity. And people in very good financial condition can find themselves really struggling. And if people were doing fine, but it wasn't easy, then suddenly they can go just right over that financial cliff. So it's really, really important that when people are deployed, we try to reach out to them with some form of credit assistance. You know, sitting safely in Norman, Oklahoma, it does seem like about the least I can do. So I think that's a big deal. And I'd like to see that same sort of relief actually get extended into other kinds of loans but at least related to the student loan programs, it gives them a grace period from not having to make those payments. So I think that's a really cool component of it. And then finally, requiring private lenders to offer repayment plans so that they're actually able to afford the monthly payments that they have. So, you know, we'll see. It's out of committee. That means it's going to go to a vote in the House, and then if it passes in the House, it's going to go to a vote in the Senate, and hopefully it passes. I don't have any real confidence in that. However, I think it's important to know that people are still trying to make Washington work. And if you only see the news at 60,000 feet, then you don't see information like this bill. You know, I look for news to give you guys every week, and I had to find this. So I think it's really important that we all get out there and dig and then talk about those things happening in our own fields so that we can help raise awareness and help people know that Congress is actually still trying to do stuff. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Plan Your Prosperity section of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. My name is Peggy Doviak, and if you're a regular listener of the show or the podcast, you know that we've spent 
the last several weeks talking about cash flow kinds of issues. So we've talked about making a budget. We've talked about saving for special events. We've talked about, you know, ways of paying off debt. So if you haven't had a chance to hear those and the weeks have already passed in your listening area, I do actually rebroadcast the show as a podcast. And so if you go to either CastBox or iTunes, you'll see it as Ask Peggy Doviak About Your Finances. And no, I don't know why I put a different name on it. I probably shouldn't have. I should have probably left it as the same name as the radio show. But when I was setting it up, it seemed like it should have a different name. And so that's what I did. But it's Ask Peggy Doviak About Your Finances. It's available. And so if you want to hear old um, editions, you can do that. Usually if I do a rerun, I don't put that onto the, um, onto the podcast, but you can catch the new issues and the new episodes there. I think it's really important as I'm coming to the end of this cash flow section to talk about a huge monster that's out there and it gets a lot of us off track. And it's the way that other people can derail your own financial plan. And sometimes they know they're derailing it, and sometimes they don't. Sometimes we drive through the neighborhood and we notice that someone has a new car. If we live in a subdivision, we may see houses bigger than ours, and on the driveway of those houses are new cars, and maybe there's a boat even parked over to the side. You know, it really doesn't matter what level you're at. You look around, and people who feel like they should be your peers have all this new cool stuff, and it can be discouraging. They haven't said a word to you. Remember... You don't really know what's going on behind closed doors. And the amount of consumer debt in this country is staggering. The amount of people who owe a tremendous amount on their car loans or their credit cards. You can walk into any store, get a card, max it out, and then suddenly you're in a terrible spot. I don't want you to look at other people and feel like just because they're driving a new car, you need to do it as well. I want you to look at what you have, and I want you to remember that prosperity is so much more than money. You're prosperous from your friends, from your family. You're prosperous from pets that you have, from good times that you have. Your money is a tool, and your money matters a lot but your money doesn't make you prosperous. Sometimes people will actually directly try to derail you. You know, as you know, I'm a certified financial planner practitioner, and there's a lot of jockeying for looking like you have money in my industry. And years ago, I was in an office of a friend's, And he wanted me to see his new car. He had a Lexus. He was leasing it. He wasn't buying it um, because he couldn't afford those payments. And that's a totally different story. Um, 
but it ties back to the you don't know what's going on until you look behind closed doors. Couldn't afford it, leasing a new Lexus, and I'm riding in his car. I was like, yeah, this is nice. He said, you need a Lexus. I said, I don't need a Lexus. At that point, I drove a Honda. He said, no, you need a Lexus. I said, why do I need a Lexus? He said, because your clients want you to drive a good car, not a Honda. Oh, well, okay, since you put it that way. So, I mean, I was really annoyed with him, but, I mean, his car was cool. It had heated seats. That was back in the day when heated seats were the thing. And it had, you know, a really nice stereo system in it. And it was plush. It was leather. It was a very nice car. But I didn't need one. Okay, so let's fast forward a little bit. And I bought a horse. I got a horse, actually. It was given to me for free. And because I got the horse, I needed a new vehicle. So when I got the new vehicle, I called my friend. And I said, hey, I took your advice I got a new vehicle because, you know, you said that my clients didn't want to see me in a Honda, so I got something else. I said, I've got, I've got leather seats just like you. I've got heated seats just like you. I said, I really think this captures the spirit of who I am. And he's like, oh, wow, that's great. Did you get a Lexus? I said, no, I bought a Ford F-150. And if you're listening on the coast, pickup trucks are not as common on the coast. A Ford F-150 is a nice pickup. And the pickup that I had purchased was a nice pickup. It has a hard cap over the back end, so really I have a giant trunk. And it had leather seats, four doors. Great truck. There is this huge pause on the other end of the phone. And he said, oh my God, that's a truck. I said, yes, it's a truck because I need a truck, and it's a very nice truck with heated leather seats just like yours. I don't think he understood why I thought that was funny. He really never got over it, and going back to the whole leasing that Lexus, he got himself into some horrible financial trouble down the road because he couldn't live inside his means. He wanted me to get out there on the limb with him, and I wasn't going to do it. I needed something that would haul a trailer at that point. So I bought a truck to use it. But you don't need something. Your clients don't expect it. They expect you to be prudent. So be very careful that your profession does not cause you to put on airs, as my grandmother would have said, about trying to look like you're more than you are. And don't let other people make you feel guilty. Don't let your family make you feel guilty. You need to live inside the money that you have. And remember that your prosperity is so much more than your money. The ability to sleep at night, not worry about when somebody's going to call needing a payment. All of this is critical and important, and a lot of it is inside your control. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Ask Peggy segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. And today's question is about life insurance. Peggy, When I told my friend I was buying life insurance, he told me to buy term and invest the difference. Is this good advice? This advice is 
very, very commonly told to people. I don't know whether you've ever heard, if you're in the life insurance market, that's and they say, oh, don't buy whole life insurance, but go ahead and buy term, which is generally cheaper, and invest the difference. So you'd take the whole life premium, find out how much that was, get the term premium, and then invest that difference in an investment account and have the term insurance. And, you know, sometimes this is really good advice, and sometimes it's not. As with everything else in financial planning, it depends on your situation. And that's one reason why everything I do on this show is for education and not investment advice. I mean, the reason that that's part of the regulatory rules is I can't stand on the air, on the radio, and say, you need to go do this because I have no idea what's going on in your life. I have no idea about your situation or your circumstances, and so that's why everything I talk to you about is educational because this whole buy term and invest the difference thing is super popular. But let's break it down a little bit to help at least give you some of the variables you need to think of. First, the Certified Financial Planner Board of Standards, so the CFP board, does not view insurance the same way that some people inside the insurance agency view it. They view it as the way of managing the financial risk of your death. So this is to provide funds to take care of people in case you die. They don't see insurance as an investment vehicle, and they don't see insurance as a savings vehicle. So when you're buying an insurance policy, you're buying insurance to manage the risk. So now what you need to look at is go back to the cash flow we've been talking about and look at the cash flow needs of the beneficiary of your life insurance. Does that cash flow need come to a definitive end, like paying off a mortgage? Does it, is it for someone who's so much older than you are that they're not going to outlive the term component? So in other words, I had a term policy to help provide money for my mom when she was so sick because that gave me the ability to have money set aside for her. Does it need to be more than term? No, because there was no way she was going to live longer than 30 years. So, you know, sometimes the circumstance, if the need comes to an end, and you know it comes to an end, then sometimes term makes sense. But sometimes those needs don't come to an end in a predictably regulated fashion. And if you think that your beneficiary is going to need money after the length of the term, then whole life might make more sense. I know people who are providing an income amount for like spouses who never want to work. And so whole life sometimes makes sense. Whole life doesn't come to an end. If you have to renew a term policy later, it can get really expensive. So you don't want to think about, oh, I'll buy a 30-year term policy and then I'll just buy another one. Because at the end of that, or even 20 years, maybe medically you don't qualify, 
and the premiums are going to be much, much higher than they are now. So it's very important when you're putting together your insurance plan to do some cash flow planning along with it and not let the insurance agent or your friend or somebody you saw on TV or read an article in the paper or listen to my radio show and say, oh, well, this person told me to do that, so that's what I'm going to go do. You've got to work with a financial planner look at the cash flow needs, and then make a decision that will actually help you make the right choice so that the benefit is there when you need it. The last thing I have against buy term and invest the difference is people don't actually invest the difference. They just buy term and they pay less for it, but then that difference never winds up in the savings account. If you decide to buy term and invest the difference, you really need to invest the difference or the whole system falls apart. Well, I can't believe how fast this has gone. Have a great week. See you next time. Bye. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. You may submit personal finance questions to the Ask Peggy Facebook page and learn more at PeggyDoviak.com. And remember, prosperity is so much more than money.